revive us again. Everyone standing, we've got the words up here, so you won't have to look for a book. So we'll all turn it loose and sing tonight. All the first now. We praise thee, O God, for the Son of thy love, for Jesus who died and is now gone above. Hallelujah, and the glory, hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, and the glory, revive us again. I'm a candidate for revival, aren't you? Let's turn around and shake hands and fellowship. Welcome one another tonight. to the Lord and, and rekindling our love for Him. And I'm praying for revival. Amen? Good to have all of you with us tonight on a good, warm uh, February night. What a blessing. In fact, I almost wore my shorts tonight. It's so nice outside. Beautiful. Amen. It's a shock to me. I was in Costa Rica where it was 85 degrees. I come back here and some, there's some Joan on board and jinxed it and we got... 32 and 36s and all that kind of stuff. But the Lord's in control of it all. Amen? Let's pray and ask the Lord to bless tonight. Aaron, if you would, lead us in prayer. Yes. Yes, you did. 
Yes. 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 Amen. Let's continue singing. Leaning on the everlasting arms. Set of ushers come forward to receive her offering. Encourage you to give tonight. It goes to support our Bible conference in the fall. Encourage you to give something every week, just a small amount every week. It's amazing how it adds up through the year. And I appreciate your giving toward the conference. And it goes to be a blessing to many. So let's give. Father, we thank you. We can lean on you. And knowing, Lord, that we can lean on you at any time in our life. Bless now our giving tonight. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege to give. What a joy it is to give to you. And bless our conference in the fall. And I pray you will provide the need every Wednesday night for it. In Jesus' name, amen.
glad I have a Savior who lights my way. the Lord. Let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of James chapter 4, the book of James chapter 4, and we continue our study through the book of James. James 4, and let's look at verses 13 through 17, and a very familiar passage of Scripture I've heard preached on a number of times through the years, but we'll look at it tonight and see if we can't glean some things from it that'll be a help to us. Let's stand as we honor the reading of His Word. 
James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. As I thought about this passage, I could not help but think of the generation that we call baby boomers. I, and I'll explain that in just a moment. But uh, that's who I thought of when I read this passage. I am a baby boomer. And uh, so I thought about this uh, baby boomers at this, as I read this. And so I just simply titled Baby Boomers in the book of James. Verse 13, James says, Go to now, ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Verse 14, Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that you ought to say, If the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now you rejoice in your boastings, and all such rejoicing is evil. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Thank you. you may be seated, and we'll look at this passage tonight and glean a few thoughts from us. Let's pray. Our Father, tonight in Jesus' name, we're so thankful that you are our Savior. Not only one that saves us from our sins and gives us the hope of eternal life, but you're the one that is there to minister to us and to meet our needs in every situation of life. We thank you, Lord, that you are our deliverer, that you are our Savior. Now, Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray you speak to us tonight and help us tonight to do more than just jot a few notes down, but may we hear you through your word. And Father, would you change our attitude about life and help us to look at life the way we ought to look at it as a result of studying your word. Father, let your word get in us. And Lord, it's important that we get into your word, but even more important that your word gets into us. So Father, help us tonight to glean truth and then go out of here and live what we learn. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, as you know, over the past several years, certain terminology and descriptions have been added to our vocabulary that distinguishes the generational, generational differences in our society. And one popular term that we have heard used over and over again over the past several years is that of baby boomers. And now we're hearing about baby busters and whatever like that, but there's been a lot that has been said about baby boomers. George Barna has broken down the American population into five existing generations. And this is how he describes them. He speaks of uh, seniors, and seniors he describes as those that were born in 1926 and earlier. So if you were born before 1926 or 1926 and earlier, you are considered a senior. Then he talked about builders, and that is those that were born between 1927 and 1945. That generation is known as builders. And then he talked about baby boomers, or boomers he calls it, but we call it baby boomers, and that is those that were born between 1946 and 1964. So if you were born between 46 and 64, you are what is called a baby boomer. And then there's baby busters. Those are those that were born between 1965 and 1983. And he said that those that were born after 1984 to the present are yet to be named. So I don't know what we call them. Baby boomers, baby busters, baby bloomers. I don't know what it'll be, but something like that. 
But when we talk about baby boomers, we're talking about the generation that is sometimes called the war babies and referring to the 76 million children that were born in the years following World War I and the Korean War. And they're called baby boomers because there was such a huge boom in births beginning in 1946 compared to the birth figures prior to that time. And the other generation called baby busters, they're called busters because there was a decline in the number of births in that particular period. But that's why we call them baby boomers due to the number of people that were born between 46 and 64. But when I think about baby boomers, I think about an article that appeared in Esquire that was written by Robert George, the editorial page writer of the New York Post. And it was an article that I thought was very descriptive of the baby boomer generation. The article was entitled, The Worst Generation. And listen to what he said about baby boomers. He wrote that baby boomers are the most self-centered, self-seeking, self-interested, self-absorbed, and self-indulgent generation in American history. As a baby boomer myself, sadly, I must agree with Robert George. Because when I think about my generation, I think about a generation that has largely lived for themselves. You might say that the baby boomer generation as a whole has made its priority what they could be, where they, what they could do, where they could go, and what they could get, and what they could have. Their whole life has been wrapped up in me and I and what I achieve and what I possess and who I am and how I arrive and so forth like that. That is so descriptive of my generation or the baby boomer generation. And when you read James chapter 3 verses 13, or ch chapter 4 verses 13 through 17, you would think that he's specifically writing to the baby boomers of our, age, of our day. But yet I'm mindful that some of the characteristics of baby boomers are true of every generation, even of those in James' day. So I want us to look at what I want to call baby boomers in the book of James and look what James has to say about the attitudes that exist. And when you look at what James has to say, he speaks to us about how we approach life, he speaks to us about how we analyze life and how we assess life. So let's look at what he has to say about life in general. There are three things I want you to notice from the passage. The first is this. I want you to notice, first of all, that he describes a life that forgets God. He describes a life that forgets God. For you see in verse 13, James uses the illustration or uses as an illustration the attitudes and the aspirations and the actions of certain merchants in his day. And he introduces this illustration by using a phrase that is found only one other place in the Bible. He begins verse 13 by saying, go to now. And those words go to is not necessarily saying, I want you to go here, I want you to go do this. But it would be like us saying, now you look here for just a moment. That's what it means, go to now. It is used twice in the Bible, and the phrase is usually used and implies uh, disapproval, and when it's used, it calls for one's complete attention. It's like James overhears these merchants talking, and James, he says, now I want you, wait, look here just a minute. I want you to listen to me just a minute. And he says, I want to just say something to you. So James is telling us now, now look here. Go to now. You pay attention to what I'm about to say. And as he does so, he talks about what these merchants were saying. 
And when you look at what these merchants were saying in verse 13, it brings to my mind two questions. I want to draw these two questions from verse 13. The first one is this. When I think about what verse 13 says, I ask, this, I ask myself this question, what are the goals of my life? What are the goals of my life? Well, look at verse 13 again. As you read verse 13, you see the goals of these merchants. And their goals is expressed in what they were saying. What were they saying? They were saying, today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city and continue there for a year and buy and sell and get gain. I think about what David Jeremiah, in his book on James, he describes uh, their plans as being a model business plan. And it could be. It could be described that way. For what is their plan? Well, you see that these merchants here, these that are going to sell, that they've established a date to initiate their plan. They said today or tomorrow. They have chosen the site or the place to carry out their plan. They're going into such and such a city. They have laid out a time frame to accomplish their plan. They're going to continue there for a year. And they have identified and clarified their purpose. They're going to such and such a city on such and such a date for such and such a time to buy and to sell and get gain. So you find these merchants making their plans and setting their goals for the coming year. Obviously, these merchants are planners. They are very ambitious, and they have specific objectives in their life. They know what they're doing. They know where they're going, and they know what they want. Now, I've always enjoyed reading the books of Ted Engstrom. And I think about it in his book entitled Strategy for Leadership. He talks about why organizations fail or falter. And one of the reasons that he gives is that planning is, was inadequate or limited. Well, when you look at these merchants here, no one would say that the plans of these merchants were inadequate or limited. Here were these merchants, they had their goals, they had their plans, this is how they had things laid out, what they were going to do, what they were going to be, and what they were going to achieve. So when I read about these merchants, I ask myself the question, what is the goals of my life? And you might ask yourself that question tonight, what are the goals of your life? What are the plans of your life? A businessman might ask, what is my goal, what is the goals for my business? Where do I want to take my business? How do I want to enlarge my business, expand my business? The college student might ask themselves, what is my major? How will my major equip me for the future? Another might ask, what is my career goal? What do I want to be? Where do I want to go? The young couple might ask, when are we going to buy our first house? Or when are we going to start a family? Another might ask, what is my financial goals or what are our retirement goals? And you could go on and on and on. Again, these merchants raise the question, what are the goals and the plans in life? But they also raise another question and a very important question. The second question that comes to my mind from verse 13 is not only what are the goals of my life, but the second question is where is God in my life? As I said earlier, the phrase go to now was usually used when something is disapproved. Now you ask yourself the question, is James disapproving the setting of goals or having plans in your life? Is James disapproving being ambitious in life? Is he disapproving working in life and striving to have more? Is James disapproving the desire to make money? Is, what is it that James is disapproving in verse 13? Let me say that James is not disapproving their plans. He's not disapproving the fact that they are planning on 
going into such and such a city and buy and sell and make gain. He's not disapproving their desire to make money. But what James is disapproving is the fact that God is nowhere to be found in their plans. That God is nowhere to be found in their goals. What James is doing in verse 13 is reminding us of the folly of leaving God out of our plans. Or you might say it another way, the folly of leaving God out of our life, of living our life doing our own thing with no thoughts of God and bringing, not bringing God into the picture. I talk about baby boomers. If there's any characteristic or trend of the baby boomer, baby boomer generation that is worthy of disapproval, it is this one thing. For the baby boomer generation thinks in terms, what am I going to do? What am I going to be? What am I going to have? How can I get further up the ladder? How can I get a better job? How can I have two cars in the driveway? How can I have a bigger house? The baby boomer generation, it is I, 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 and me, me, me. And many times there is no thoughts of God in all of their plans or no thoughts or consideration of what God's plans may be. It's like the merchants who said, we will go into such and such a city. They had all their plans, what they were going to do, but God didn't have a part of their plans. Now listen to me tonight. It is not wrong to plan. It is not wrong to plan and to have goals, but it is wrong to plan without God. And it is wrong to plan and have goals and not consider God's plans for your life. It is not wrong to work. Understand me tonight, it's not wrong to work to make money. And even understand this, it's not wrong to have things. The Bible never condemns money. The Bible condemns the love of money. The Bible never condemns things. And if you're blessed to have things, then thank God for them. The Bible never condemns work. It never condemns making money. It never condemns having things. But what it does condemn is when things have us instead of God having our life. I want you to understand something tonight. God is never to be divorced from who we are or what we do. You are not to separate God from any area of your life. There's not the matter of the spiritual and the social over here. No, they've got to blend together in our life. And God is not to be divorced from anything we do. If God and His plans cannot be a part of who we are, then there must be a change of course in our life. If God and His plans cannot be a part of what we do, then we must change what we do. And if God cannot be a part of our goals and plans, then our goals and plans need to be arranged. You see, God is to have more than just a part of our life. He's to be more than a Sunday God in our life. He is to have preeminence in our life, and He's to be a part of our life Monday through Saturday. And so what James is saying here is that God is not to be left out of our today. He's not to be left out of our tomorrow. Or we put it in the words of James, he's not to be left out of whatever city we go into. He's not to be left out in the year ahead. He's not to be left out in our buying. He's not to be left out in our selling. He's not to be left out in our gaining. Whatever, wherever God is to be a major factor in all of our plans and in all of our goals. Not wrong to plan, but it's wrong to plan without God. It's not wrong to have goals, but you can't leave God out of your goals. So he talks about a life that forgets God. Here's all of these plans, here's all of these ambitions, but God doesn't have a part in them. But the second thing, James not only talks about a life that forgets God, but then he draws our attention to a life that faces God. Now we think about today, and we think about tomorrow, 
But James thinks even further ahead. James thinks about the life that is to come. And when James evaluates life, he evaluates life and not what our plans are today or what we're going to do tomorrow. He evaluates life in light of eternity and the life that will follow the life that we live. Notice how he talks about life. Two things he says about the life that we live now. For one thing, he describes this life as not being predictable. He says this life is not predictable in verse 14. He said, whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. James is saying that we can make our plans, we can set our goals, but in reality, we have no idea what tomorrow holds and we have no idea what can happen in the future. There's nothing wrong, as I said, about planning. And there's nothing wrong about preparing for tomorrow, provided you do not leave God out. But the simple truth is, we do not know what curve life may throw us tomorrow. We don't know what may happen tomorrow. We don't know how things may turn out tomorrow. We can have all of our plans and have all of our ducks in a row, everything lined up, one, two, three, A, B, C, D, but yet what happens tomorrow can throw everything out of kilter. We just do not know what another day holds. A person can be selling calm seas today, but it can be very stormy seas tomorrow. There could be not a cloud in the sky today, but tomorrow's skies may be dark and filled with thunder and lightning. You see, tomorrow is not predictable. Life is not predictable. We can have our plans and goals, but we do not know what another day may bring forth. First, life is not predictable. Second of all, he tells us life is not permanent. What he said in the latter part of verse 14. He says, For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanishes away. James not only talks about the uncertainty of life, but he talks about the brevity of life. And he uses the illustration of a short lifespan and that of a mist. The word vapor is translated smoke in Acts 2.19. And it simply describes a smoke arising or a mist arising like steam coming out of a tea kettle on a stove. Life at its longest is very, very brief. Now listen to what James is saying. He's saying that we have all of our plans and we have all of our goals, but we do not know what tomorrow holds. And furthermore, we don't even know if we're going to have a tomorrow. That's why Solomon said, Boast not thyself of tomorrow. For thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Now, I've got every plan. I have all the plans, every plan of being around here tomorrow. And I don't think there's any of you planning on checking out tonight after service. I think we all have plans to be here. But the truth is, not a one of us has a guarantee we're going to be here tomorrow. And we have all of our plans, have all of our goals and whatever like that. But I don't know what holds. I don't even know if I will be here tomorrow. Reminds me of a story that Peter Marshall told the Arabic fable of a merchant in Baghdad. And this uh, merchant sent his servant to the market. And his servant came back much sooner than he anticipated him coming back. And it was obvious that he was deeply disturbed. And the servant said to his master, he said, Master, down in the marketplace, I was jostled by someone in the crowd. And when I turned, I saw that it was death that jostled me. And he looked at me and he made a threatening gesture. And he said to his master, please lend me a horse that I might hasten to Samara and hide there so that death cannot find me. So his master loaned him a horse and the servant galloped away as fast as he could. Well, the master, the merchant himself, the master went down to the marketplace and he saw death standing there in the crowd. And he walked up to death and said, why did you frighten my servant this morning? 
Why did you make a threatening gesture at my servant? And death replied, that was not a threatening gesture. He said, I was only startled and surprised. I was astonished to see him in Baghdad, for I have an appointment with him in Samara tonight. You see, the truth of the matter is we all have an appointment with death. Death has an appointment with us. We do not know when that appointment is. I do not know what tomorrow holds. I don't even know if I have tomorrow. But what James is driving at is that it's folly to leave God out of our life because one day this life is going to end and we're going to face God. He said this life is but a vapor. There's more to life than just what we do down here. There's the life to come. And one of these days we have an appointment to meet God. So since in the next life that we're going to meet God, then we ought to live this life with the thoughts of God. What folly it is to leave God out of my life. What folly it is to leave God out of my plans. What folly it is to leave God out of my goals when one day I'm going to face God. So there's the life that forgets God. There is the life that faces God. But look how he sums it up. The third thing is this. There is not only the life that forgets God and a life that faces God, that is the life to come, but there's a life that follows God. Since we're going to meet God, would you not agree that we ought to live according to God's purposes and plans for our lives? We have all of our plans, but one of these days, this life, all that we do in this life is going to come to an end. This life is brief. It's like a little vapor that appeareth for a, for, for a short time and then it vanisheth away. There's the life to come. We have an appointment with God. If that is the case, then we ought to live our life according to God's plan. That's why he said in verse 15, For that ye ought to say, If the Lord will, we shall live and do this or do that. Now what is he talking about? Two things. One, he talks about life that is according to God's will. James tells us that what tomorrow holds is all up to God. Now, we've got our plans for tomorrow. We've got our plans for the next month. We've got our plans for the summer. We've got our plans for the coming year or the next two years, next five years. But the simple truth of the matter is we don't even know uh, what tomorrow holds. We don't know if we have a tomorrow. When it comes to tomorrow, it's all up to God. He's the one in charge of our tomorrows. He's the one who's in charge of what happens in our life and how things turn out. If there is tomorrow, it is according to the will of God. If there is another week, it's according to the will of God. If there is another year, it's according to the will of God. He controls not only what happens tomorrow, but He controls whether or not we'll even see another tomorrow. Understand this. If I get up in the morning, you mark it down, it was according to the will of God. And if you go to bed tonight and you get up in the morning, you mark it down, it was according to His will. It is life according to God's will, but second of all, it is life that is accepted of God's will. And our attitude ought to be, as James said, if the Lord will. He said, if we shall live and do this if it's the Lord's will. But our attitude ought to be, and our acceptance of the will of God ought to be, if the Lord will. I read that, I think about a story I read one time about a man he was riding his motorcycle down this country road and he saw this preacher standing on the side of the road in the churchyard so he pulled over and talked to, talked to the preacher a little bit and the preacher asked him what he's doing, where he was going and he said, I'm going to town to sell my motorcycle. And the preacher familiar with James 4 verse uh, 15 said to him, he said, Sir, he said, you ought to say I am riding into town to sell my motorcycle if it be the Lord's will. Well, the man rolled his eyes, laughed, roared off toward town, thinking to himself, sell my motorcycle if the Lord's will, Lord's will or not, I'm going to sell this motorcycle. 
Well, later on that afternoon, the preacher's out in the yard and he saw the same fellow coming down the road, stumbling and staggering. His pants were torn, exposing his knees, skint knees. His arm was in a makeshift sling. His shirt was half torn off his back. His hair was a mess. His elbows and forearms were covered in blood. He was scratched all over his face, all over his body. And the preacher looked at him and said, What happened? And the fellow replied, Well, after I left you, I was on my way to town, and a big storm come up. I tried to outrun it, but the rain began to fall like lumps of lead. And as I was going around a big curve, I hit some loose gravel, and the motorcycle slid out from under me. He said, I skidded more than 100 feet on the pavement. He said, I was able to get up. A motorcycle was told up. I was able to get up and walk to a nearby farmhouse. And as I walked up to the door, a frightened woman pointed a shotgun in my direction. I started running, and she started shooting. I ran down through the brush and the briars. I got all scratched up and finally got away. He said, I was standing there picking buckshot from my backside when lightning struck a tree and it fell on me. And the preacher said to him, well, where are you going now? He said, I'm going home if it be the Lord's will, amen. Well, I say, our attitude ought to be if it be the will of God and being accepted of the will of God. Now think about it. Life, we ought to have our plans and ought to have our goals, but not without God. And everything that we do and the way that we live ought to be lived according to God's plan, recognizing that this life is not all that there is. This is like the vestibule uh, to eternity. Eternity is before us, and one day we'll meet God. What we do in this life has a whole lot to do with the life to come. And we're going to meet God. Therefore, we ought to live our life according to His will, accepting that life itself is according to the will of God. Therefore, I'm going to be accepted of God's will in my life and live with the attitude, this is the will of God. Live according to His will. James said in verse 16, But now you rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Now, who's he talking about? You rejoice in your boastings. He's describing these merchants again, their attitudes. And he's describing all those who think like them. They're boasters about what they're going to do. We're going to go down here tomorrow, and we're going to go down there for a year, and we're going to sell and buy, and we're going to make all this money. They're bragging about what they're going to do. The word boasting there is literally bragging. They're bragging about what they're going to do. They're bragging all about what the future holds and what are the, all of that. And James says, no, 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 wait a minute. He said, that boasting is not only foolish, that kind of boasting is evil. Because you don't know what tomorrow holds, and you don't even know if you have a tomorrow. So you can't boast about all the things you're going to do. You ought to say if it's the will of God. And that's why he said in verse 17, therefore. Since God is in control of life, we don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't even know if we have tomorrow. James says, therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to, it, to him it is sin. What he's talking about is deferring to do the will of God is equally foolish. We know we ought to live our life according to God's will. We ought to be a major factor in everything that we do and every decision that we make, everything about life. God ought to have a controlling influence in that matter. And he said to brag about what you're going to do is evil. And he said, no, you live according to the will of God. And to defer to do the will of God is sin. You know this is what you ought to do. You know this is how you ought to live. And not to live that way is wrong. So live our life 
Instead of being like the baby boomers of my generation who just live for me, 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 and I, 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 what can I do? Where am I going to go? How high am I going to get? Am I going to be a CEO? Am I going to have a $400,000 home? Instead of just living for what I do, who I am, what I do, we ought to say, Lord, I want to live according to your will and live by your plans and goals in my life. Amen? That's how God wants us to live. Take your prayer sheet for tonight. Interesting passage. Our prayer sheet for tonight, our missionary of the week, I want to pray for our missionaries and I love our missionaries and praise the Lord for our missionaries I had a blessing on Monday night to speak at EMI their evangelism missions incorporated their annual world missions service and missionaries had just completed their candidate school and and all the missionaries that were in there and all the board of directors and pastors from all over the country had the privilege of speaking there that their service on Monday night just increased my love for missions and and they were showing a video of Solomon Owolabi. We support Solomon, but he works closely with Jim Ammons. And saw Jim and his work and the video and different things. Just increased my love for our missionaries and for missions. But we want to pray tonight for our missionaries of the week, Bobby and Angie Walston. They're serving in Costa Rica with Macedonia World Baptist Missions. Our church of the week is Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Powder Springs, Georgia. Brother Lamar Rackley is the pastor. And then those in the hospital, Memorial, Doral Revels, and Helen Stevens, and John Parks, David Watkins at Erlanger, and then Brenda Underwood at Hamden Memorial. This is in another city, Dennis Underwood's mother. And then special request for James Lowry, and then special request for Samuel Fletcher. This is Matt Tilly's little baby. He's had the flu and RSV, so these things we want to be praying for and we'll remember them tonight. And then also I want to encourage you to really begin to pray. I know you've been praying about several things I won't mention here, but now's the time for us to really begin to really lay these matters before the Lord and really seek God's blessings and seek God's leadership in all things. Uh, for one thing, our building, uh, we've talked a lot about it, but we're getting so close and we are so, so much further ahead than what I anticipated we'd be at this time. And sharing with Rick before service, uh, the way things are developing and coming together, it's very possible that uh, sometime in March we're going to be able to come to you with all the figures and all the little details and put it to you for final approval and everything. Uh, we're just so far ahead. We are talking about three years. It is very, very possible uh, by the help and grace of God, we're going to be able to break ground in just a matter of months. And that's how things are developing and how good things are going. And we're excited about it, uh, but we're getting close. We're re it's, it's, it's really getting close. Now's the time for us to really begin uh, bathing this thing in prayer. We're getting all the little details down. We're, uh, zoning is all taken care of. Now we're closing streets. We're closing alleys. And all of this, we're, we're getting so close. And and everything, it's just, it's exciting. It's, we're just so much, we're so further ahead than I thought we would be. And that's just the goodness of God. Amen? And we're excited about it. We could, we could use the room now. We're praying about it. We're getting ready for uh, the spring. And, of course, the building is full on Sundays. We're working on things to help eliminate uh, some of the crowdedness here on Sunday. We've got chairs ordered. We're going to be taking all the pews out of the wing here temporarily, putting all chairs in. By putting chairs in, we're able to gain about 70 more seats in what we do with the pews. 
and uh, then other plans we have when we tear this wing off that'll be the first thing that'll come off and so we've got a lot of things that we're doing just to work to, to provide more room at this point but now's the time to really begin every day asking God to bless in our building program to bless the funding of it uh, bless all the things that are happening and then another thing I want you to be really begin to pray for and that is our TV ministry uh, the equipment is now installed it's now a process of just uh, learning it and uh, hopefully just in the matter of a couple of months uh, we'll be going on the air several have asked when we're going to do it uh, we want you to start praying for that that the Lord would use that and, and God knows that we're not just doing it just to be doing it it's, it's, it's to be a ministry for us and it's now now's the time to really start bathing us in prayer and asking the Lord to bless it and use it and then, of course, special events are coming up. Our revival, always we have in March. Brother Hurt will be here March the 17th. And, of course, the special Sundays that we build them around are three special Sundays, Super Sundays, as Revival Sunday, which comes up in March the 17th. We'll start praying for that day. We'll start praying for revival. I'd really like for the Lord just to sweep through here in a special way this March, wouldn't you? And so let's really start praying for that and pray for a great harvest of souls. Easter Sunday comes up at the end of this month or end of March. Last Sunday in March, that also happens to Easter Sunday, big day. Mother's Day, the third Sunday in these three special. All of these things there, we'll start bathing them in prayer, jotting these things down, lifting them up before God, and God will keep on blessing. Uh, the student faith on Tuesday night had two more people saved. Two of our teams led people to the Lord on Tuesday night. Isn't that great? Praise the Lord. I praise God for how our teenagers... Uh, folks talk about kids and how kids, how they're going to the devil and how they're going to the dog. Let's come around here on Monday night and see all those teenagers over there, anywhere from 13 and up, going out telling folks how to be saved, winning people to the Lord week after week after week after week. That's enough to pull your shoes off and run about 20 minutes. Amen? And see them on fire for God. All these things. There's just a lot of things to be encouraged by. I am humbled by them all and just extremely grateful for God with them. But let's pray for all these things that the Lord will bless. Our building, our TV ministry, uh, all the special events coming up. Let's all come and let's just gather around y'all. Let's have a good time talking to the Lord, praying for our missionary of the week, praying for the Walstons, praying for our church of the week, Brother Lamar, Pleasant Hill, our folks in the hospital. And tonight, let's begin lifting up these special things, asking God to bless them, we need him now. We need him at this point more than we've ever needed him before. We just need him just to take over. And so let's pray to all these things that God will bless. Father, tonight we thank you for the Lord Jesus for saving us. And Father, we ask you, Lord, that no matter what we do, you be the deciding influence in it. That all of our goals, all of our plans, that will not leave you out of them, but... We'll live according to your plans and according to your will. Father, help us to be a people in a society that is so self-centered. Help us, Lord, to be a people that is God-centered. And Father, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to live the way you'd want us to live. May we not defer the will of God in our life or doing what you want, because if we know what we ought to do and we don't do it, it's sin. So Father, help us to do what we know we ought to do, live the way we ought to live. So Father, bless us tonight. Pray for the Walston family. Thank you for them. And I pray you bless them in Costa Rica and watch over them. We pray for Bobby and Angie. She went to church, Lord, as you know, went to church here for years. 
That believes she's saved here and now serving Costa Rica. Bless them and use them there. For Brother Lamar, we thank you for him, for his church. Bless it there in Powder Springs. Thank you for what it, you're doing there. Just, Lord, let it continue to grow and, and prosper. For our folk that are in the hospital tonight, we pray you would touch them and meet their needs and watch over them. And then, Father, we pray for all the things that are happening. We do pray that you bless in our building. Father, we thank you for the vision that you've given the church. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done. Thank you, Lord, for how you have brought us along, how you have so led and how you have so directed us in all things and how you've worked in so many ways and brought us so close to the beginning and actually seeing it come to pass. We stand amazed at where you have brought us and what you have done. But, Lord, we come tonight, and, Father, you are... We're just a months away from the beginning of it. And we thank you, Lord, for what you're about to do for us as a congregation and for what you're about to give us as a church. We thank you for it. But we ask you, Lord, to bless it. We need you, and we want you to lead us and guide us and direct us and just do wonderful things. Just, Lord, we put all of it into your hands. And then we pray, Lord, for our re for revival that is coming up. We pray you bless it. Touch Brother Hurt. I pray be a... An unusual week, anointed of the Lord. May we see glorious things happen. Touch it in a special way. Easter Sunday, bless it. As many will come that day that wouldn't come any other day. May there be a mighty moving of God on that day. Mother's Day, another great day. Bless it. We pray, Lord, for our TV ministry. We're so close to the beginning of that. We ask you, Lord, that you would use us. That every song and every word that goes forth but the airways from this place, that it will be a tool and an instrument in your hands to touch somebody's heart and to touch and to bless hearts. And I pray, God, that you just bless us. Thank you, Lord, for giving that to us and for what you're doing and for the doors that that's going to open us up and the homes we're going to be able to get into that normally we couldn't get into and for the exposure that it give to our church and everything, all that is involved, we ask you to bless it, that you might be glorified and just... May we stand amazed at what you will do through it, but continue to bless. For all that you're doing, we thank you. Continue to bless here. Bless our adult faith as they go out tomorrow night. Thank you for student faith. Thank you for young people that are getting on fire for God. And Lord, growing in grace and learning how to share their faith and then not only share it, but going out and actually winning other young people to the Lord. We thank you for that. Continue to bless. But bless our adults as they go out in the homes we go into and the people we go see. Let us win people to Christ. Let us share the gospel. Sunday, give us a great day. Touch us in a special way. May the presence of God be here. May we assemble to worship and give you glory. Let it be a glorious day. Continue to bless. And Lord, and just stir our hearts about all that you're doing. And we'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. It is a joy and it's a blessing to be saved and be a part of Temple Baptist Church in it. Amen. You're dismissed. Shake hands and fellowship as you leave tonight.